in those moments where everyone is watching that work and it's like do or die are they gonna hate it and like make fun of it or is it like something that is absolutely insane and they you know it gets people excited it's um, an adrenaline rush yeah Everybody and welcome to the Art Not Algorithms podcast. I am Ty Allen, alongside with Patrick O'Neill yes, and sir. the star of today's show McLean and every show, Portis. every Thank show you. we ever have. McLean is the star, but specifically <laughs> today, because we're going to do something a little bit different, but I also think it'll be very impactful, and that's we're going to talk about McLean's story. Oh, we're setting a high bar for this one. <laughs> so let me paint a picture here. We are four 21-year-olds. Well, Patrick, you're you're 20, depends but everyone on the ID, else depends on the ID. Yeah, <laughs> depends on the ID. But four 21 year olds who started a business and are running it, and I think it's really important because it doesn't matter if you want to be an entrepreneur, whether you're an artist trying to make it, whether you're someone who wants to be a professional athlete or someone who just wants to make it in a field you're passionate about. I think this story transcends just beyond entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways it stands for you know perseverance, stands for you know. <laughs> cutting out all the people who tell you you can't do it and actually getting something done. And I think that applies to so many aspects of people's lives that this podcast specifically will be very helpful for a lot of people out there who are listening. So today we're going to talk about McLean. I know he's a little uncomfortable with that. Hey guys. We're going to talk about him. (laughs) And so McLean, I guess I kind of want to start with, you know, where would you say you got your start? Where did you get your passion for being an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know where it, it came from. It was just whenever I was in school or, I mean, school is what takes up most people's childhood. So whenever I was around other people, I just felt like I was, I wanted to do something that was different that made me stand out. And so that for some reason or another always came back to doing projects on the side. Um, and those, the projects that I found the most interesting were entrepreneurship, um, type projects. So I'd say, when did it start really? What is an entrepreneurship type project? <sighs> um, As a kid, what does that look like? Yeah. So the first one that I, I really did was, I think I was in second grade and my dad owns a chain of restaurants and, um, for some reason I was obsessed with vending machines at the time. And so we had this, this candy machine up in my attic. And so I convinced my parents to let me put it in one of the stores. Um, and I haven't thought about this in a while, but I remember I would go, I think weekly and check on those. And then I would use the profits to go, um, or the revenue just to go back and buy more candy like each weekend and keep filling it up. And I eventually got to the point where I think I had three candy machines in different stores just cause I had saved enough from, from the first one to buy a second one and a third one. So it, it really started there. And so, that's when I was So as a second it. grader, yeah. you were putting candy machines <clears throat> in these restaurants and then mm-hmm. would use the, 
you know, revenue to refill it. Did you make any profit at all? Just yeah, I think like grader? 200 bucks or something eventually. There you go. For a second grader, that's, for a second a lot. Grader, that's not <laughs> yeah, bad. Uh, I, I was feeling on top of the world, that's for sure. And <laughs> it's better than a lemonade stand. I mean, you're, you're walking around primary school. Like, hey, who wants it? Who wants it? <laughs> that actually, you saying lemonade stand, that reminds me. I also, I, I, I can't paint. I'm not a painter, but I would paint pictures and sell them on the side uh, of the road. I remember this. And I... Would I could consistently sell paintings for fifty dollars on the side of the road? What? I mean, it was because I was a kid too. But like, literally, I would just go to my friend that lives in this neighborhood where there's kind of some through traffic, and people would stop and we'd be like, "I'm selling paintings," and I could sell fifty dollar paintings. I'm pretty sure it's just because I was like, "How old were you at, at 10, that point?" Maybe ten. Yeah. So <laughs> what is that around second grade too? So it was very young is when you decided, yeah. "Hey, I just want to." I, a little and it wasn't here. even yeah. about the money. It was more so just like I enjoyed the feeling of trying to get better at something. And the money was just kind of something that was like a judge physical yourself. judge of it. Like, are you getting better? Can you make more or are you like losing and making less? Like it was pretty easy to tell that way. So, so would you say the drive behind that was wanting to get better or was it wanting to do something? It was wanting different? to do something different for sure. Um, getting better was kind of a side product of it but thinking about my other projects um especially video making it was more so like i wanted to be different than other people and wanted to have stories that they didn't have yeah so i'm trying to understand that that wanting to be different started Mm -hmm. as at a young age yeah okay and so you you know what made these candy machines um would put them into restaurants you would paint and put them on the side of the road and Mm -hmm. and then what what did that lead to next? Um, so then I got obsessed. I, I go through like, I used to go through brief stages of like obsessions when I was like, and maybe everybody does this, but I was for a brief period of time obsessed with like gold and silver. Um, so I bought a metal detector and I think I was probably 12 at this point, maybe 11. Um, and I would research like old maps and historic places in Nashville um, and like overlay uh, current day maps and these old maps I would find and then go to those places and hunt for like Civil War stuff. Um, and <laughs> Ty knew me when I was a kid and he yeah. would have made fun of me if he knew this, but I was, <laughs> I loved it. No idea. Um, Otherwise you wouldn't have been friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... That, I think, was before the gold panning. Um, and then Ty was actually invited to a gold panning birthday of mine. I remember mine, that, yeah. Um, where, you know, we bought pay dirt online, so we're not going to, like, make any profit. But there's no there's no gold in Tennessee, so we can't go, like, actual gold panning. Uh, but so I still have You were searching for gold with a metal detector, but there was no gold in Tennessee is what you're talking Well, about. I was searching for, <laughs> for old coins at that point. Okay, like, okay. and, yeah, I, I just, like silver I just, coins I want to point out that kids who are 12 years old, typically in our area, we're doing sports, uh, playing football, basketball, you yeah. know, the birthday parties would be. I like everyone. sports too. Let's not yeah, paint you, me you, as you an unathletic we'll get, we'll, get we'll get there. But I just want to point out how different this was. That's there wasn't anyone doing that. Because I'm from California, which is the gold rush, right? Yeah. So there, almost every year from, let's say from fourth grade to like seventh grade, there was some sort of gold related field trip. Really? really? So doing the gold panning and stuff, there's overnight camps, you'd 
the older hmm. you got, you'd stay for a week and it was all organized through the school. Hmm. That's so to me, if someone took extra interest in it, it wouldn't be that weird. Really? Huh. So it's kind of like a different perspective hmm. where you guys, that was something really out of the norm. It was like, that was yeah. in the norm. And then if someone focused on it, it'd just be like, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So now we were in Tennessee. So didn't, didn't you import the sand from Alaska or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you buy pay dirt online and they, they ship it pay dirt. So oh. it's like, it's come from like a, a mine okay. and it's like the stuff that's already been filtered through once. So like there should be gold in there and then, you know, you buy pens and, and stuff online. Gotcha. And so I, I still have like a I troy ounce gold. of gold. Yeah, yeah. I found gold. Too. I still have my little thing of gold yeah. from yeah. when I was 12 in my desk. Yeah. I'm not sure when I would ever use it, but it is there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it does exist. I'm pretty set on turning my gold that I found into like some kind of jewelry at some point. How much did you get? A troy ounce or so. A so troy like, ounce. That's like a an ounce of gold. Nice. It's like what it's. Is it like legit on. or is it like full gold? No, it's legit. It's probably like eighteen carat or something. It's not like it's not twenty four, but it's pretty legit. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the kid who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, panned for gold. Yeah. On, on in your free time. Yeah, and what's weird is I still kept friends that were you know pretty cool. Like friends. It wasn't like <laughs> I was some I loser friends. or anything. Like, yeah, <laughs> they might have left. That I mean I guess that's a good pivoting point into the ultimate insanity thing. Sure. Um, like being able to convince kids that had no reason to be making trick shots. I don't know. You have any questions to ask about so, ultimate insanity first or like any kind of backstory? So, so on let this? me just, let me just paint this yeah. picture as well. Um, McLean started making trick shot videos mm-hmm. at one point and yeah. talk about how you got started with that at the very beginning. Cause it wasn't mm-hmm. it like one day you threw like the, the little Auburn basketball into the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So around the time I was kind of coming down off the high of, of searching for gold and coins and stuff, I, I was looking for another project and the internet through like vine was really starting to, like that social media platform was really starting to take off right around then. Um, and so I, I came up with this idea and may, I think it just happened by accident one day, but, um, and this is going to sound so weird, but, uh, I just had a basketball, filmed myself throwing it into the goal, posted it on Vine, and it was on the day that Auburn football had a game, and they won, and so I started doing it each week before the Auburn football game, um, like making a trick shot, posting it on Vine and Instagram, um, and that was the year that they went like undefeated to the to the national championship game. Um, so you played so a like, part in that. Yeah. So that was all me. <laughs> so where's your ring? That's <laughs> It was actually pretty cool. Like It became a thing where... I think five Auburn football players started following me because of it. Really? They were like active on the team and like, like actual starters too. That's people cool. that I, I recognized. Um, Cause I just did it every week. Uh, and so that springboarded into me at the end of that year, wanting to learn how to put together a YouTube video. At that point I had no editing experience whatsoever. I just posted stuff on Instagram. And did any of your vines ever take off? I think I had one with like 30,000 loops or something like that, um, which felt awesome at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I re-downloaded all the videos and then got iMovie and you know threw it all together and learned a little bit, put up my first YouTube video. Um, and from there, I was like, I don't want to stop making trick shot videos. So I, I started 
uh, convincing my friends to join me, um, which Ty might have some recollection of. Do you remember at all how that went? Like, I, I don't mean, really. I mean, I was, what, 14? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do remember all of it. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Oh, back uh, in the day. Yeah, way back in the I day. Just, I don't remember how I, like, convinced you guys to come with me the first time. I, I, don't, I don't think, think convinced it was, is an interesting word because yeah. 14-year-olds have nothing going on in their life. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. what it was. It was like, it was like hey, it's, it's Saturday afternoon. Let's go throw There's a football off the – I think it was like, let's just go throw a football into a, a basketball goal at the stadium. And we yeah. were just like, why not? What else is there to do? And then that turned into a whole series of mm-hmm. trick shot videos where it was more people would come and, and more people would participate. And then it got more serious and mm-hmm. and it turned into a, a larger time commitment than just like, a, yeah. you know, hey, come here and throw a ball off a bridge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So trick shots were where I started learning how to edit because then it went from me wanting to you know, make these trick shots and have fun with my friends playing sports and like kind of filming them into figuring out how to convert that into telling a little bit of a storyline behind it and um, like getting cooler cinematic shots. And then I became the filmmaker um, and then the editor also. And, and then I just kind of left the trick shot thing behind. I don't want to, I don't want to, you don't want to jump out of this, jump out of the trick shot. The trick shot was a cool story. Okay. What two or three years? I mean, yeah, it was probably two and a half years or so. Yeah, I um, mean, you from, spent two and a half years making trick shot videos. Yeah, from like eighth grade until probably the beginning of sophomore year, I yeah. think. Um, and yeah, actually, it grew over time. You can, um, maybe we'll put the link to the to the my old channel down in the description. You can go through and see like the exact progression of me learning how to edit and you know make videos at that point which isn't is it cool. called ultimate insanity I no we know. changed it smp life right? oh, smp life. oh geez. <laughs> that was um yeah that's a whole nother what thing. was your because fa- i've seen those older videos i've stalked mm-hmm. everything right um what's your favorite moment from it because i have a favorite moment just from a fan perspective mm-hmm. but i'm interested to see what your favorite moment was favorite moment or like favorite story out of it maybe oh man there are some good ones um which one uh, I think, I think the one of the cooler moments was the first time that we convinced a real brand and entity to let let us go there. So we went to this um, uh, zip lining park, and they let us go there two days completely for free, um, and let us just basically zip line. I don't know. They were like a couple thousand foot zip lines, you know, over ravines and stuff. And we, we were allowed to take our basketball goal there. Um, and they just let us have the entire park to ourselves on the, on the time when it was uh, closed. So I think it was really cool. That experience of convincing somebody else that what I was doing was, was worthwhile enough to use their time to mm. help us out. I thought that that was a That's neat cool. moment. Um, I really liked the one where you guys went into uh, the a, trampoline park all, after yeah. night. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. Like the trampoline park was shut down, mm-hmm. and they let what fifteen year olds, fifteen fifteen year olds in there for hours after dark. Yeah, no one was there, and they locked up themselves. I'm like, yeah, that would never <laughs> yeah, happen that was, in California. That was cool. That was mm-hmm. um, I was I was a part of that one. I remember, and we started in the day. We had an entire Sunday to ourselves. Yeah, uh, we started in the day. I remember I went. I was there for six hours left for football practice for two hours, came back and was there yeah. for like four more hours after it. Yeah. Because I mean, you have a trampoline park all to yourself. Yeah. Like why would you not yeah. stay there and, and 
have fun. I mean, that yeah. was a pretty cool one. Yeah, that's that was great. Or, I mean, what the the sports center's got to be the yeah. So that was the best one. That was the peak of our existence at that time. It was pretty cool. Um, peak of my existence, maybe not everybody else's, but. <laughs> Basically, the, the biggest and coolest brand that we did something with was called, um, what was their name? It's, I don't remember, but it was, it was flyboarding yeah. company. So there's... That was sponsored? Uh, I mean, we didn't get paid for it, but we did it for free. Okay. Yeah. So it, you guys might have seen this. There's like, a, it's attached to a jet ski. Then there's the hose that goes into these things that you put on your feet so you're like flying around above the water as the water's propelled out from underneath you um and it's called flyboarding and so we i emailed this company out of tennessee and they they let us go out onto the cumberland river which is right outside of um nissan stadium and is like downtown you know there's probably at any given time a thousand people like around that so it was pretty much just us um and yeah, we, this, the first shot that we did there, it took seven tries and I'm weirdly good at throwing Frisbees. I don't know why. Um, that's always been a thing as well. We can, <laughs> that's something else. We don't have to get into that. Um, but it's supposed to be really fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens there. <laughs> um, so I was up on this like, 100 foot bridge and down below there was this guy a professional flyboarder um and i just i launch a frisbee off the bridge i think it's in the air for something like 15 seconds um and it just glides all the way down and it takes a turn to the left and then the guy shoots up out of the water and catches it um and we caught it all on on film pretty perfectly i think michael was recording at the time shout out to michael mcguire um, and, and yeah, I, I thought nothing of it at the time. We, we went on the rest of the day, filmed probably 12, 13 more trick shots, um, edited together a full video. And then I posted it to Twitter, I think. And, uh, it started gaining a lot of attention there. Um, and then somebody reposted it, um, not just retweeted, like literally reposted the video, um, and then it kept, you know, spreading more and more. I think Whistle Sports was the first like big entity that picked it up. And then within two hours of me posting it, uh, Sports Center reached out like on that day, um, and they were like, "We want to have it on Sports Center Top Ten. And so it was like the number one play on Sports Center Top Ten. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and and the the video clip rights got got bought out from us. So I mean, like. Two thousand bucks, which I split between everybody. I get everybody checks. Um, So that was the first time I made money making videos there. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying. So I think it's interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's the question is why would you spend two and a half hour or two and a half years making trick shot videos when you could be doing hundreds of other things? Yeah. Um, Like (laughs) honestly, I mean, why why did you keep coming back to it? Was it because it was fun? Because I know that I had fun sometimes, but other yeah. times it was like, this really sucks. Right. So what What about it kept you going? Yeah, I mean, it did suck a lot of the time. Like, it was a lot of a headache setting it up, filming it all, making sure all my friends could go, making sure the basketball goal got where it needed to go. Um, so what kept me coming back was it was 
the flow of it was addicting. Like the flow of creating something that other people were going to enjoy watching. Um, and like the camaraderie behind having to get the team together to execute that thing and then like achieving it. And like when you're wrapping up the shoot, knowing that you guys achieved it, um, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if I was making it because I wanted other people to watch, but it did feel good when like teachers would throw it on in class and everybody would have fun (laughs) watching it, even though I would sometimes get made fun of for it. Like I still had a great time, like telling, like showing that what we were doing outside of, you know, what was normal was, was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the, the fun, the Mm. camaraderie of, you know, having all of your friends, there trying to achieve something. Yeah. Um, there's kind of the rhythm you get into and, and the mm-hmm. adrenaline you feel once you've made a shot, you know? Yeah. Um, but then also that aspect of other people watching and being impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the idea of people looking at it and being like, that's not a normal group of kids. Like they're doing something that is like, there's clear effort behind um, and trying to, even if it's something that's going to go nowhere, like there's no business direction for that in any sense. It was like, but they're trying to build something that people will respect. And I think that that was a cool feeling that, um, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, which is just wanting to be different. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, a, it seems like that was the point. If, if yeah. you're spending so much time making these videos and you were known as like the trick shot guy, like yeah. that, that was well known. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, that was the first two years of high school. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I got, yeah. I was in a couple videos and, and got, you know, people talked about to me about, and there's like, yeah. why, why'd you do this? I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> but, but McLean, it was, that was what you were about. That's yeah. what people knew you as. And I think people started to recognize that outside of just the normal, like mm-hmm. our friend sphere. Um, I thought that was pretty cool that the school would recognize that and people outside of the school would even recognize it Yeah, um, as being different, you know? And you said like a, a group of kids doing something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's something big, right? So when do people start asking you for photo shoots? Is that just the natural progression <laughs> no, no, of that's, being a trick shot That comes star? later. That comes later. <laughs> the transition out of trick shots into more cinematic stuff is probably. Yeah. That's something, next. that's something to go to next. Just, to, yeah. just before we leave these trick shots, yeah. you know, that was that was a big portion of your life. Yeah, and that's where you got your start making videos. Was yeah, the trick shots? One hundred percent. Like, yeah, it was it was completely by accident, but I think it was kind of bound to happen. Maybe I don't know. Like, I'm glad I picked up that basketball and threw it at a hoop. Um, you know, when I was in seventh grade, because I wanted Auburn to do well in football that year, and I just, you know, one thing led to the next. I just I never let something stop me from doing something like even if i get made fun of a little bit for it i'm like nah fuck that you don't see what i see like i'm gonna keep doing this yeah Um, and that's important to note just before we move on is like people did mm -hmm. hate on it like there were a lot of people who were just like i mean one one of our friends uh, i'm not gonna name any names but like was in one video got so much shit for he's like i'm not doing it again yeah um and i i got shit for it too um and i'm sure you got more than any of us so Mm -hmm. it's like it, it honestly like no yeah. matter what you do, everyone's gonna say something about it. It's yeah. trick shot videos. It was nothing, right? You got more viral attention than anyone else in our school got. You got yeah. more attention from anyone else outside of it. But they're like, hey, this person's doing something different. They're doing something mm-hmm. weird. That's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. don't like that. Yeah. I think that's important to note is that you you didn't stop even mm-hmm. though people were saying that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so then the transition came from you know 
you can call them like fun trick shot videos mm-hmm. to more cinematic. <clears throat> yeah. So how did that happen? Yeah, I started realizing that what I really loved wasn't the basketball going in the hoop. It was standing behind the camera telling a story of, um, you know, and there wasn't much story to tell with that. So I had kind of creatively exhausted everything I could with making trick shots. And it, at that time, this guy named Sam Calder started making videos on YouTube, um, which kind of inspired a whole generation of filmmakers. Um, and he, Sam just made uh, cinematic edits. So I, I was like, I want to take what I've learned here and go out and do what this guy's doing. He was he was traveling the world, had the perfect life, you know, hanging out with, with hot girls, going to the beaches, you know, doing, doing everything. I was like, wow, that's a cool life. I want to try and emulate that. Um, so I, you know, <laughs> use the camera. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I started trying to figure out how to, how to paint up a, a pretty picture with a camera at that point. And, um, you know, cinematics was the first thing. And then I was like, I'm bored of that. Let's try capturing a story and telling that. And I think that that's where things really started getting interesting. Um, especially coupled with telling the story of the football team, which Ty was the quarterback of. So that, yeah, shout out to Ty. It's pretty cool. Always about me. Yeah. So I distinctly remember when you kind of transitioned from the trick shots to you made the football hype video. Yeah. Right. Was that the first one that came after that? That was, yeah, that was the first like meaningful thing I did after that. Um, that was, yeah, like six months after I stopped making trick shots, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I would think that'd be about right. And it was, I remember we were, I mean, we were going to the state for, you know, the, the the second time, or I guess it was Mm. the third time in the row. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about what happened after that. <laughs> um, but I remember the entire school gathered mm-hmm. around in an assembly, and this was my junior year, would have been our junior yeah. year, yeah. Um, to watch this video before the state championship. And the whole school watched the it? The entire school um, in a very get-me-hype pep rally, like everybody get going, like a lot yeah. of energy in the building. We went to an all-guys school, so when the energy's going, it's going, right? It's like going. It's, it was yeah. intense. And I just remember your video was the last thing to be played mm-hmm. in that pep rally. And yep. no one had seen it yet? No one had, no seen, one had it. seen it. Oh. It's no a lot, it was a lot of pressure. And I, yeah. I, I remember sitting there like, this is... <laughs> this has got to be good. This has got to be good. <laughs> like, this, this is a time. Like yeah. Everyone on the team was like, all right, this needs to be solid. Yeah. I remember coming out, and it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like Everyone got really hyped, too. I remember our coach watching it over and over and over again and <laughs> being like, guys, this is going to get us going Like to do it. <laughs> How did that feel? Yeah, that was cool. Like, so just for context, I had, um, at the beginning of the season, we had this, this kid, this running back, Ty Chandler, who was in like insane. Ty Kevious. Ty Kevious Chandler. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, um, so that, I think part of the reason I wanted to film that season was because I wanted to capture his last season at NBA. Cause I knew it was going to be something special. Um, and so I think I went and had a meeting with like the head football coach or like one of the coaches or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, can I film this year just from the sidelines? And like, I, th- I went to a couple of away games, not with the team, but like by myself and just pulled up with my camera, hopped over the fence, stood on the sideline. And like all of my friends played football, every single one of them, except for maybe one or two. I think I had like eight or nine friends on the team. 
Um, so I would just hang out on the sidelines with them, um, when I could. And just, it was super fun environment. Um, but yeah, I was like, most of the time I was the only kid on the sideline that had nothing to do with football. Um, and I would just, you know, while everybody else was in the, in the stands, um, partying it up and everything out there. Cause football's big in Tennessee. I was on the field trying to, trying to capture every shot and make it look perfect. Um, and so that was my first experience really trying to capture a whole story and then shape it into something that people really liked. I think, I think what people overlook in that situation is just how hard that is to do, right? Because the thing to do, everyone's looking forward to Friday night, Mm -hmm. going to the football game at our school, people would paint up, they would paint themselves red, um, and just run out on the field and then go in the stands and go ballistic and just go nuts. And that's what everyone's looking forward to. And McLean, on the other hand, would come with his camera. Yeah. Sometimes did you paint up when you do? I don't. I don't Sometimes know. I would. Sometimes <laughs> you paint yourself. Yeah. But then stand on the sideline while everyone else is having a great time and partying and film us. Yeah. Right. Making sure you capture everyone, like you're saying. Yeah. That's a bit. That's hard to do. Yeah. It got to the point where literally, like, because I, I obviously, I'm a normal kid. Like, I wanted to go party with everybody mm-hmm. else too. Um, but I, it got to the point where I was so anxious about missing any awesome moment on the field that like I could not let myself go over there. I was like, if I miss something that's absolutely epic, I'm, I'm not going to forgive myself. I have to yeah. capture this. It's it's going to be sick. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was an interesting point. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Yeah, no. And then, you know, you're sitting there capturing all this footage and no one really sees what why you're doing it and then you mm-hmm. present it to everyone yeah and it's so just that was the first time anything football related came out ever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so the entire season compulsive culmination uh-huh. of the whole mm-hmm. of the entire That's very cool yeah. yeah so i had spent an entire season like three three months out out every friday night capturing everything um and i had to learn how to like store all the files and how to organize it. And cause there were thousands of clips I had like thousands. I had to go through, organize every single one, figure out which one was an interesting play, which one had certain shots that I needed. Um, so it was a whole process that like nobody really knew I was working on. And then, yeah, like I forget how, but I think I, I think I took it to Brad Joya. Like, yeah. He um, probably took you to the headmaster. And yeah. Our showed headmaster. It to him and he was like, dang, like, this, is, <laughs> this is something, huh? Yeah. So I was like, I want to show this at assembly. Like, I think it's good. Um, he, he did he watch it, it? And he was like, and yeah, like, this is, this is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I hope, I hope when, if you're watching this on YouTube, that something comes up where you can see it. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be really cool. Um, it, it was really solid. And, and then that continued until, into the next year. Cause that was our mm. senior year. So yeah. it's like you don't want to miss any of those moments. That's I prefer the senior year one. I, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> Played a little I, uh, bit of a bigger role that watch year. Watch the video but... and you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't about Ty Chandler this time. It was Ty Allen. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I had a couple projects that really defined, like, who I was at that point. And it was it was the trip to the DR. I also oh, yeah. had a, a video that um, – Mr. Norton really loved, who was our dean of students, and he would play it like multiple times. And that one was played in assembly. Um, And then the the football one we just talked about, uh, and then capturing the the solar eclipse. Yeah, that one I really enjoyed doing. Um, That one just I'll dive into it really quickly. Um, There was a complete solar eclipse that went pretty much right over Nashville. 
um, like full coverage. And so I think it, it lasted four hours in total. And so I fashioned a lens out of those protective eyewear glasses and put it over the top of my camera and sat there on the football field for four hours. And I, I didn't have something that tracked the sun and the sun obviously moves. So the entire time I had to make sure that it was as close to the center as possible of the, the frame. And then I spent the next two and a half weeks chopping down frame by frame, um, that footage and like taking every minute I took like one frame or something like that, or like maybe every 15 seconds I took one frame. And then I had to hand align every single frame into the center. Um, so that was like, I think it was like a two minute video or something like that. Or like, yeah, something, something kind of long, but then it became a time lapse where it stayed completely in the center. You could see the entire thing. Um, so that was, that was that project. Yeah. So I think there was a cool transition from the trick shot guy to, to Mm. then it was well known that you were making these incredible films. Yeah. Whether it was a football, the the Dominican Republic one was great. I remember seeing that where you traveled to the DR and Mm -hmm. filmed the service that you guys did for all these kids and then the solar eclipse. And then everyone was looking forward to the next video that was coming out. Right. And I don't, Mm. I don't specifically remember a time where you were ever not working Mm -hmm. on some sort of video or something. Yeah. I always have to be working on something. Yeah. I think that was an underlying theme of all of this, right? Is that need to stay busy as Mm -hmm. well. Because it seems like whenever something ends, when you're like, ah, like I've been doing trick shots for two and a half years. Uh, Let's move into this. Mm -hmm. You know, I was panning for gold. Now let's just do something different. Um, It's just constantly trying to find that other thing to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember you saying that from a long time. It's like, I always need to do something. Mm -hmm. And that's why you never want to work for anyone else. It's like, you don't want to be stuck in one spot. You want to constantly be moving to the next thing. Yeah. Right. I I think that's something that's pretty interesting. But my question is like, when, when you were doing all this, Mm -hmm. it was again, a massive amount of time. Why, why video editing? Like why creating yeah these videos was it the attention you were getting afterwards or was it the actual process of doing it i think it was a little bit of both um i really enjoy the flow of the process and creating something but i create it because i love seeing people's reaction to it like when we were in those moments and it was shown on the big screen and everybody else around me I could feel them reacting to something that I had made and you can literally like in the air there's something where it's like people are actually enjoying it like they like there's this whole yeah I don't know it's so hard to explain but like in those moments where everyone is watching that work and it's like do or die like are they gonna hate it and like make fun of it or is it like something that is absolutely insane and they you know, it gets people excited. It's um, an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Right. It's like, so, is this going to work or not? You right. put in for the eclipse one, you know, f- two and a half weeks and four hours of sitting in the same spot mm. to make two minutes of video. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there was always a deep fascination of mine with this whole, you know, internet thing. It Like I love having people watch it in person, that's probably, it feels better to have people watch it where you can be there. But like the fact that, you know, a hundred people or a thousand people or 10,000 or a million people can see something on the internet and like start to get behind something, um, and create some kind of a movement always fascinated me. 
Mm. Um, and watching other people do that, I was like, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to try and figure that out. Mm. Um, and that was kind of my transition into college actually. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is so throughout high school and middle school, you could say it was a constant, you know, wanting to be different, needing something to do. Mm-hmm. Videography came in, you found that you enjoyed that process and the result you got from it. Yeah. Right. And then I think when you moved into college, if I'm not mistaken, it was like, all right, well, mm-hmm. I can't just be a college student. Mm-hmm. I need to find something else to do. Yeah. And so where'd you go from there? Yeah. There were about four or five videos I made in that time where I, I felt pretty lost. Cause like, when I was at high in high school, it was like the small town, it, you know, we're from Nashville. It's not really a small town, but small community that everybody knows each other. Mm. And so I could make things that were meaningful for those people. And, um, cause you know, the, the football hype video, it's never going to be seen by a million people. Not that many people really care, oh. but our community, <laughs> After this podcast, I'm sure size <laughs> episode is going to go through the room. Yeah, it should, <laughs> um, you know, that community really, uh, liked it but there wasn't a community i wasn't a part of a community anymore so i was like who am i making videos for what am i trying to do here um so i made one where i like tried to learn how to skateboard and that was just because i didn't know what else to do i made one about my first time going surfing um i had fun making some about my girlfriend um that was that was meaningful like there was somebody that was purposely receiving that one so that one was good but i was still kind of lost and at that point, my community went from being a few thousand people to the entire world. And I, at that time, I was like, the algorithm is what is stopping. Like, I can't figure out how to grow something that people really care about. So I became like deeply frustrated with trying to get people to care about something at that point. Hmm. Um, and through that frustration, I started to realize that <clears throat> the internet was this space where artists had to go to get their work noticed now it's not so i mean you can you can be a traditional artist and i don't even know what traditional like painters and stuff do i guess you sell your work to galleries sell and on like, the street as a 10 year old 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> that's what the normal people do <laughs> um but yeah like if you wanted to be something in the world at that at this time now you have to do it on the internet is what it felt like to me. It's like, there's no barrier to entry, but because of that, there's millions and millions and millions of people you're competing against. And so how did the right people shake out to the top, the people that really deserve it? Um, and so through that, I was like, there's all of these artists. I'm surrounded by a lot, um, even here at USC that were quite incredible. And I was like, not enough people know your stories. I'm good at making videos. Let me use videos to tell these people's stories. And these were not just musicians these mm. were any artist yeah and yeah I, i've always found that fascinating because in a sense you were an artist mm. who felt like you deserve more recognition for the work you did yeah so in turn it was like wow like i'm not getting any recognition you're not getting any recognition let's just come together and see what we can do you know yeah yeah so I, I needed a muse like something to tell stories about i felt like i wasn't getting enough credit like you were saying um so i mean you know, it made sense to tell other people's stories. And I wanted to build this brand where I was this filmmaker that would go around and find somebody interesting from somewhere. So I, my freshman year, uh, spring break, I took a trip to Hawaii and, you know, the entire time I was messaging three photographers from there, from different sides of the Island. And 
um, my roommate for the next year was from Hawaii. So I stayed with him and like, he took me around to each person. Um, and I, I partitioned the trip into three different stories that I told about those people. Hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where love two started. How did that, how did that go? Um, video didn't do that well at all. I mean, it was the first, first try at something, but I felt like I was at least on to something. So I spent the next summer putting together the first live to team of artists, yeah. which not many people know about, especially if you're following me now. I know. Pat knows he was there. Um, when did, let's see, I guess that was when you first, uh, started that summer after my freshman year was when you first watched the backflip video. Cause at that point I yeah, had, the I had seen the skateboard video. Oh, you had? Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to disrupt the flow, but I had seen that video. Interesting. Interesting. I got halfway through that the surfing video. Halfway, I got halfway through the surfing video and I didn't like it, so I left. <laughs> <laughs> Can't I, I was like, damn, I really liked this first video. <laughs> I swear to God. In my head, I was like, fuck. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Because so you huh. said you were going to learn all these skateboard traits. Mm-hmm. And I subscribed mm. and he gave up. Yep. He's a quitter. No. That's the theme of this episode. <laughs> the theme of this episode is that McClay can skateboard as well as Pat thought he could. That's, that's the theme. Yep. Uh, um, I think that's cool, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a selfless act to tell someone else's story when you should be fo- – hypoth- hypothetically, you should be focusing on your own. Yeah. Right? Anyone who wants attention believes that the way to get it is to put yourself in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. You be the – for you to be the storyline and then – attention comes around you yeah. what you notice is like hey there's a lot of other people just like me mm-hmm. who deserve more mm-hmm. let's do this together yeah right because you need Completely. someone to tell to talk about and they need someone to tell their story it's yeah. very mutualistic and honestly selfless in a lot of ways as a filmmaker mm-hmm. right so yeah. who were the first team of artists yeah so i spent that next summer um i was on vacation with my family and that's when they started like that's when my work life balance started to like go a little bit like a lot of work a little bit of life um so i would spend 10 hours a day scrolling through instagram looking for people to message that like i believed in their work and thought that they had something going um found that they had like a small community and i wanted to I haven't thought about this in a while, but I wanted to put all of them together. It was basically like the first A&A freshman class, but it was like just of artists of of all kinds. So I wanted to put all these artists together and help tell each of their stories and have this collective movement of artists that were kind of making the come up through their own fields together. Um, Just people that deserve more credit. So that's what I worked my sophomore, uh, sophomore first semester on was mm. trying to tell their stories. And these were, you know, photographers, dancers, mm-hmm. clothing painters, designers. clothing designers, yep. Patrick. Name, and, name yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, all, all the while, while I was doing that, I, I originally lived to is supposed to be a clothing brand where these artists, like the message that they stood for, that we stood for would be portrayed in the clothing. So um, with each artist I worked with, I wanted to make a specific piece of clothing that supported those artists and hold them all in one shop so they would all have their own piece of clothing um and you know i wanted them to be cut and sew so i spent probably three-fourths of my freshman year which we didn't talk about going from not knowing how to make anything um like any piece of clothing and literally found fabric found somebody who could help me make a prototype made the prototype found a manufacturer and made 110 cut and sew hoodies um 
out of that and then started using those to support these artists uh, through the film. That's interesting. So I was around, like I knew you still obviously yeah. about that time. And that's the best I've ever heard you describe what you were doing. Yeah. Because it was when every time I'd call, it was constantly a new thing. Yeah. Right. It was like, Hey, uh, I'm going to make a t-shirt like this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sell it. I'm just like, I don't <laughs> understand how that plays a role, but, yeah. it, but it was a group of artists mm-hmm. that you were going to tell all of their stories. And then based on those artists, Mm. sell clothes still a little complicated but it's there it's a little complicated but it's there yeah um and i think what i'm interested about that the most is that it's a continuation of this underdog story Mm -hmm. this people who are different and talented deserve to be recognized yeah it i'm just i'm fascinated why that's your like that's your thing like constantly throughout everything you've done it's being different Mm-hmm. and getting recognition for being different, right? And, and being that underdog that, that doesn't yeah. really get appreciated. Yeah. You know, I've tried to think through this myself, like why that's the story I gravitate towards. And I can't put my finger on exactly why, but I know that like whenever I want to watch a movie, I want to watch the movie of the underdog that nobody believes in and does something outstanding. Um, maybe that's just how I was born. Um, but I don't know, maybe one day I'll, I'll realize why that is. But like, I've just always gravitated towards that story. It's it's the person that nobody thought could do it that is going to do it. I mean, I think I think from what I've heard today, it's you see a lot of that in yourself in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I mean, you, you said that one of the best parts of your videos was feeling that people were enjoying it. Being mm-hmm. like, I put in all this hours and people are recognizing how great it is, and people did. Yeah. Right. Uh, the being on Sports Center, a, a brand a brand understanding that you're a legitimate filmmaker and mm-hmm. saying, yes, you can come in here and film, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's validation being like, you are legitimate, yeah. right? And that's something that artists mm-hmm. and filmmakers and creators and people, mm-hmm. it happens all the time. It's yeah. like, I am working my butt off every day. Yeah. I, and I'm not getting recognized even though I deserve to be. And it's mm-hmm. an underdog story because you were a college freshman making videos competing against millions of people on the internet mm-hmm. who is trying to find a way to make it. Yeah. Right. And that's what live Two is in a lot yeah. of ways. It's not, it, if you're looking at it at a grander scale, more than just what we're doing specifically right now as a business, it's an underdog story. Yeah. We're four, you know, yeah, four, four college students running a business. That's an underdog story mm-hmm. in the music industry, which is almost impossible to break into. That's another one supporting yeah. unknown artists who are literally underdogs in their industry. Yeah. Right. That's entirely what we're about. And it all started from a very, very young age for mm-hmm. you. Right? Yeah. That's kind of why, like what we're doing is so personal to me because like, it feels still like that first time I picked up a metal detector. Like this still feels like that same continuation. Like it all feels like one thing that was leading towards building this um so like that's why i feel like live 2 didn't start like really when i was a freshman it started like then and so it's been building towards this and who knows where it's building in the future but it all feels like one project to me not a not a string of them yeah that's interesting and i think i think from there it kind of gets into our story which we've covered in other podcasts and Mm -hmm. and other times it's then the Chase Paves video happens because he was mm-hmm. an artist that you wanted to tell the story of and it blows up and you're like, wow, this is yep. a great way for me to support people who are never heard. And mm-hmm. and then Live 2 starts, we bring in the team and then we start rolling. Right? Yep. And that's what happened. Yep. And now here we are. Now here we are. <laughs> hey. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's the story I think is 
is the underdog, mm-hmm. number one, the constantly wanting to do something different. Yeah. I don't want to overlook the fact that people constantly said you're not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. People constantly said it was weird to carry a, a camera around. I've said this so many times. I remember you going to carnivals with a with a camera and mm-hmm. me being like, oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be like, is yeah. this for real? Like, it, You don't carry a camera as a 14-year-old to a carnival. Like, that's yeah. just weird. Yeah. Um, but that was your passion. Mm-hmm. right? You always wanted to be different, always wanted to be doing something, yeah. and in turn represented yourself and the people that you were telling stories of. I, th- I think that's that's yeah. what people should get out of this, right? Yeah. Is yeah. do what do what drives you, you know? Do what you want to do. Don't listen to what anyone else is saying and constantly go for it because that's your story. Yeah. It's constantly going for it, and now it's starting to happen. Yeah. 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 I mean, well put. You got you got anything else? I do have something to add, Ty. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's interesting is – there's four of us and you know, we're always on the same page about what we want to do and the goal of live to. And we're all similar mindset of being disciplined and being driven and having these goals. But I think the personalities behind it are interesting because everyone's doing their thing for different reasons. Like mm. you just always wanted to be different from everyone else and do your own thing. And that also mm-hmm. was important that you did your own thing. And mm-hmm. for Ty, you've always wanted to compete to be the best. Mm-hmm. And Paris seems like she's always been the best. Mm-hmm. And then I've always wanted to compete with myself. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that we all, you know, our paths have all aligned, but everyone's purposes are different. Yeah. And I think th- these podcasts with just like an individual kind of introducing yeah. them more mm-hmm. in depth to you guys and honestly learning things about each other and about each other's perspectives, I think will be really interesting because, yeah. you know, as much as we're our team, we're still individuals and yeah. learning about yeah. who everyone is, is always something that I think is really essential. Yeah, yeah. And we are going to introduce each of us on an individual basis because again, like you just said, we're all here for different reasons. Yeah. Um, we all have insight to provide. And what I think is, is really cool is that it really doesn't matter who you are right it doesn't matter what necessarily you want to do typically on this show we give artists advice Mm. well i would say this is giving artists advice in the same sense in the fact that do what you want to do and get to where you want to get to yeah you know it doesn't matter what it is go for it right yeah i mean yeah in in the moments when people were questioning what i was doing i never never felt like it was a question for me like it was you know if it's if it's what you should be doing then then do it and like you know it's it's the age-old thing like don't care what other people think but like if it's right then you'll you'll just know and just keep doing that like don't don't question yourself basically be who you are yeah that's what i've done and that's gotten me to where i am now so yeah yes sir yeah yeah so i guess if that's it we can go ahead and wrap this up Patrick, you want to you take us home? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching to another episode of the Art Not Algorithms podcast. I've been Patrick. Ty's our host. McLean, the star of the show, like usual. Um, but this is something we're going to try and do more, introduce all of us on a more intimate basis. Um, just like Ty said, most of you guys are artists, but I think there's a lot to learn just from hearing people's stories and you know, just learning more about the people behind the movement. I think it's really cool. So make sure to subscribe for those episodes in the future. Comment some questions or topics you might want us to cover next. Make sure to hit the notification bell so you never miss these podcasts and never miss the introduction of our team. Mm. Um, 
And I think that's it. Our socials, if you want to follow us on Instagram and see more pictures of our lovely faces, it's <laughs> live to create T-W-O, spelled out. Same thing as TikTok, but I assume you found us there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone always does. If you didn't, please drop a comment. I'm really fascinated <laughs> yeah, by how you got to this point. Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> otherwise, I think that's all. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks all for she listening. wrote. Thanks, guys.